is a radio show with a bloke that you know. Hi, Macker, it's Sandy. Hi, Sandy. Where are you? I'm in Mornington Peninsula in Safety Beach in Victoria. This lockdown is going to do our head in. I'm a Melbourneian. We've had 5K bubbles and limits for more than anywhere else in the world, apparently. I have decided with this last six lockdown, the only thing I can rely on is the sun rising in the morning because it's not on the planet. The other thing I can rely on on the planet Macca is you. So today I've got the sunrise and Macca on Sunday, so I'm a happy girl. I've often been thinking, Macca, on these mornings that, you know, spring isn't cancelled, sunrise isn't cancelled, things aren't cancelled, but us humans have had to cancel so much and maybe that's not such a bad thing. Like he was saying before, if you post a letter, it takes five days to get there. Maybe that's not such a bad thing, that we slow up and we stop and we listen and we appreciate this beautiful planet and perhaps maybe even look after it better after this experience we've all been through. Everyone seems to be doing it in their own way, don't they? I, I, I don't know. I work in mental health and I'm doing this to keep my own mental health and my own joy bucket filled up so I've got enough to offer others. But I'm finding that people who, let's say, are anxious are perhaps more anxious. People who were depressed are perhaps more depressed. People who were, had a zest for life have got more of a zest for life. It, it seems to be bringing out whatever's there. So, uh, you know, for myself, I just think if I can just hang myself together with some anchors and do lovely things, that, that's all that matters. We'll get through this and we'll get on the other side and be much better people for it. It's the only time we've been asked in this generation to do something for the collective. Other generations in wars and depressions, and this is the first time that any of us have been asked to actually forego our own needs for the whole. So that's not always such a bad thing either. If you're rich or you ain't got a cracker, they tell stories so grand of this vast timeless land, and they call it Sunday with Macca. They all call it Sunday with Macca. Yeah, they all call it Sunday with Mac. Get on with it, Macca. Good morning. Welcome to the program. Uh, wherever you be, you can give us a ring, 1300 or 028-333-1020. Thank you for your cards and letters, especially cards. Little, I've got a few of those free ones. You can go to the post office now, apparently, and get a card and just write on it and posted and it doesn't cost you anything although I love stamps and I've got a thing from uh, who sent it to me Valda from Foster she says um, I've been listening to all the comments about Wattle on your show this is last month really my stamp bulletins arrived with the enclosed article which I thought you would like to see and read and that's what I thought you would like to hear it too it's got a picture of lovely lovely pieces of Wattle but they're all different colours there's no yellow ones there's pink and reddy orange and white and all sorts of stuff. But there's a little bit at the bottom. That's why I love stamps. I don't necessarily... Uh, yeah. Anyway, I'll I'll go on. And this is what it says. In the lead-up to Federation, and isn't that interesting because we've been talking about Federation now because, you know, many think we're just a collection of little countries now. We're all little separate countries. And in lots of ways, those countries that have decided to go their own way, like um, uh, Victoria and... Um, Western Australia and uh, certainly Queensland and Tasmania um, are living fairly normal lives, which, you know, you might, whatever you say, that's what's happening. So we've got all these little countries. So, And this is mentioning federation, and we are Australia, but, you know, different times mean different approaches. In the lead-up to federation in 1901, Australian native plants increased in popularity, see, because as people went in search of uniquely Australian motifs and national symbols, that's what they were looking for because it was federation, we were all going to be one country. So they took a renewed interest in little natives. And I've, yeah, that's wonderful. Acacia species, commonly known as wattle and widely distributed, uh, became seen as a symbol of patriotism. Wattle was essentially adopted as a national flower when a stylized wattle was incorporated into the second design of the Commonwealth Coat of Arms. Commonwealth's a lovely name, isn't it? The Commonwealth, lovely word, which received royal assent in 1912. While golden wattle, that's Acacia pignantha, enjoyed popular acceptance as Australia's national flower for much of the 20th century, it was not officially proclaimed as the national floral emblem until 1988, the first or the year of Australia's bicentenary, of course. In 92, 1st of September, the first day of spring, was formally proclaimed as National Wattle Day. Unfortunately, many of us don't um, 
recognise that or don't do anything about it, which is a great shame. While the flowers of most wattle species are yellow or golden, there are some exceptions, including those featured on the stamp issue, a remarkable red-flowered form of cinnamon wattle, that's Acacia leprosa, the only Australian wattle with purple flowers, the endangered Acacia purpurea opitala, and Acacia alata, um, commonly known as winged wattle, and so named for its unusual flattened continuous wing-like foliage. Isn't that lovely? I thought that's. Yeah, I thought you'd be interested in that because you need to know about your own country. So there you go. Lots of emails. You can email us, macatracks at gmail.com. You can give us a ring wherever you are if you're on the road. We've had a lot of people on the road already this morning taking stock feed. Ryan was taking stock feed. It was a really nice story because he said... <laughs> He's getting a bit sick of... He's a truckie and he got across the border, he's, the Victorian-South Australian border. But, um, and uh, they has, they're supposed to have a, a test, what, every three days, Kel? But he said by the time you get the results back, they end up getting it every 24 or every 48 hours because they want to cross the border. So they have to... He said, and I'm getting... My nose is getting a bit sensitive. You would after weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of getting... A long um, cotton bud shoved up your nose every two or three days. Um, so that's about three times a week. And over the months and months and months, he's getting a bit sick of it. But there's all sorts of other tests anyway. But but he said, Ryan was driving and he said, you know, one of the other things is, he said, when you're on the road, um, some of the places have closed. Um, so it's a lonely life on the road and some of the places have closed. And other people, other places, you know, truck stops he said sometimes they really don't welcome you they don't want they won't don't want truckies because they think they may have you know covid corona give me a break but anyway so but he said he was so pleased when he went into Tintinara the other day called in there and he said they were so nice to him they were so nice they made him a cup of tea they welcomed him he said just that little bit of friendship and he said it goes a long way and it's just it really is it's the whole thing, I said to him, little things mean a lot. They really do. They're only little things. They're not all the big things that life we worry about winning, you know, millions of dollars in the lottery and all that sort of stuff. It's the little things that make the most difference. And Ryan was just saying that there he is on the road. And as Riverbank Frank said last week, you know, it's the truckies and, and the train drivers who are delivering all this stuff. They should be thanked like everybody else. And uh, they do. But little things mean a lot. Um, our number this morning is 1300 700 I'd love to talk to you. Um, we're, st- <laughs> we're still working out what we're doing this morning. No, we're not. Lovely way I live where I live. Beautiful. Um, maybe a little bit about gold. Don't miss, don't miss the uh, All Over News, which is on in half an hour or so. Um, you'll enjoy that too. Our number is 1300 700 G'day, this is Magga. G'day, Magga. Is that... Uh you there? You got me? Yeah, I have, mate. Yeah, it's Danzy here from Ingham, mate. How are you, Danzy? You're driving something. What are you doing? Yeah, I'm in a cane haul out. Uh, just got a couple of brogues getting around here. I thought I'd give you a call and let you know about it. Oh, that's lovely. Isn't that nice? you got a good job, Danzy. So you, it's the cane cutting season. How's the season going? Yeah, we're going great guns, mate, eh? We've had a bit of a wet stop here and there, but things are looking all right. Price is looking up for the cocky, so, yeah, we'll see how we go. There you go. And you've got a couple of... About halfway through. Yep. And you've got a couple of brogues there poking around. Yeah, we got a mum and dad and a juvenile chick there having a scratch around through the very cut. So I suppose, what do they eat, little bugs and bits and pieces, do they? Yeah, they get a little bit interested in the odd rat or two as well, yeah. But the big, uh, big white-breasted seagull comes and cleans them up pretty quick. Wow. So you're fairly, yeah. reasonably close to the coast, are you, Danzy? Well, I'm up in the back of uh, Abigail at present, which is uh, in the back of Ingham, yeah. So the sea, On I the suppose... The... Sorry? On the banks of the Herbert River, yeah. So I suppose the sea eagles, you know, they hunt the coast, but when they know there's a feed on somewhere else, off they go. Yeah, between them and the wedgie, wedge tails, the odd wedge tail around as well. But, yeah, the boys come in and sweep them up. They never miss, eh? 
No, so Dancy, tell me your story. You've been, you live around there, or you work as a contractor, and you're from somewhere else. What's the story? Yeah, I've been down here in Ingham for the past five years, and uh, I've been up in Tully, north of Ingham, for the past bloody, I don't know, well, that'd be 17 seasons up there, so, so yeah, um, just done cane cutting ever since I left high school, so. Uh, well, it's a good job, and it needs to be done. And uh, yeah, I suppose if it's been a good season, really, for a good while. Sugar's been good, hasn't it? Yeah, 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 buddy. The boys have had some bad prices for the past few years, but then you know, there's always a par and par. Like the fertilizer's coming up in price now, so they're not too happy about that, and the price of diesel. So, oh well, you know, you can never get. Never get too much of a win, can you? <laughs> no. So, Dancy, uh, explain to people: you're in the truck, or you're you're in the uh, cane cutter. I'm in the uh, um, haul out, uh, which catches the cane. Yeah, right. Next to me, big mate. And, and then big you mate Gerardi, he, he's in the combine. And so, when you fill yeah. up, you drive yeah. to the the mill. The mills in Ingham. No, I've just got little little money boxes on the railway line. I take them over to there, we call them, uh, the, the empty bins, and then the train takes them into the mill. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, no, what, sorry, yeah. What's your day consist of? What time do you start and what time do you finish, Dancy? Oh, we um, crawl out of bed about half past three in the morning, <laughs> and then uh, we try to get a thousand ton on the line in the day. Wow. Well, good and, on. Uh, that, that, that could take all day, but yeah. You got much rain up there? Because that's not good for your cane cutting, is it? No, it's been on and off a bit, eh? Like, um, it's it's good and bad, but yeah, we're, we're drying up now, so we're pretty happy. All right. Listen to this, Danzy. Yeah. How about them? That's your brogers, mate. Yeah, yeah, I love them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny old Maria. Good on you, Dancy. Great to talk to you, mate. Keep up the good work, mate. All right, good on you. See you up there sometime. G'day, this is Macca. Yeah, Macca, it's Ryan. How are you, mate? Good, thanks, Ryan. What's happening? What are you doing? Where are you? Uh, driving a truck, I've just come through Coldborough on my way up to Victor Harbour with a load of corn on for stock feed. So, uh huh. From where? Where's the stock feed from? Uh, it's from a place in Cooma, not far from Shepparton, Victoria. All oh, right, and you're heading to South Australia. That's a big trip. Yeah, I'm in South Australia now, so I crossed the border Friday and uh, had me 24-hour break in a little town called Tintanara. And I'm finishing the trip off today. I'll unload and, and go back over the border and go back to Victoria for a few days again. I see. Do you, um, yeah, do you have to test every three days or something, Ryan? What's the story with you truck drivers? Well, it's ever, so every 72 hours we need to have a negative result, but it takes about 12 to 24 hours to get it. So you tend to be getting tested sort of every two days to make sure you get the negative result in time. So it's, it's pretty well a 48-hour regime. I'll get tested again today um, before I go back over the border. And what, if you've got to find a, a, a testing site or do you do it yourself or what's the story? No, we still need to find testing sites. So they're getting a lot better, though. They're putting them in where some of the weight bridges are and some of the border crossings. So they're starting to make it a fair bit easier for us, but... Sometimes you do got to go out of your way a bit to get one. I'm lucky. I'm going back down the Duke Highway, and there's one set up there at Keith, so I'll pull up there on the way through, and, and then I'll be able to keep going. I remember the bloke who rang from Vietnam last week. Um, was it Vietnam or China? No, Vietnam, I think. And he said um, they have to pay every time they... Oh, was it New, oh, New Guinea? No, New Guinea, wasn't he, Kel? He was in New Guinea, and he said every time... He was working on the wharves in um, in Lai, I think. He was working on the wharves there loading... Uh, barges and he said um the problem over here is that when you have a test you've got to pay for it yourself so um um that's why a lot of people don't get tested 
yeah, well, that that add up pretty quickly, I'd imagine, especially if you're on a, on a testing regime for a job. Yeah, and there's those other tests, of course. I don't know much about them, but the ones that you can get a result, what, in half an hour or 15 minutes or something? Yeah, look, I, I won't lie. I've got my fingers crossed that hopefully they'll bring that in for us because having to swab up the nose every two days it certainly does make you a little bit sensitive after a while. <laughs> that's for sure. I'd, I'd love to be able to do, you know, one proper test a week and then, you know, even if we had to do those other tests every day, you know, that would still be a lot easier on, on our body. That's, that's for sure. And how's life, um, how's life on the road, Ryan, apart from having to get tested every 20, 40, 48 hours? Well, look, apart, apart from that, it's not too bad. Um, on the, the positive side of the negative is there's not a whole lot of people on the road, so it's a lot easier. There's a bit less traffic, and you can scoot through the cities a bit easier. Um, the downside is, is there's not many places we can go anymore. Like the lifestyle the lifestyle has always been a little bit different on the road, and it, it's just become that little bit more isolated again, you know, um, roadhouses are opening and closing as they get infections or get hot spots and, um, you know, where we used to be able to pull up and three or four of us would all have a chat, you know, you, you can't really do that anymore and unfortunately um, some places are quite honest and they, they just don't want us there anymore. It's not, it's not worth the risk for them. So it's definitely changing a little bit. Um, yeah, and then I, I pulled up at Quintanara yesterday, and if you, if you don't mind, I'll just give him a quick shout-out. It's, it's been a while. I've never been in a... Yeah, it was just proper country hospitality. Um, you know, they, I told him outright I was an interstate truckie, and they said, well, you know, wear your mask, you, you get tested. I sort of tested yesterday, and I went in. They had a big grand final day there at the football and outdoors, and it, it was just really nice. Got accepted such a great, friendly bunch of people to have the day off with. It was, it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, that what that's what makes your life really, doesn't it, Ryan? Little things like little things mean a lot. Wasn't there a song called that? Little things mean a lot, and they do, don't they? Oh, absolutely. And yeah, especially you haven't seen anyone for a while. The couple of places you, you pull up, people aren't super keen because you know you've you've crossed the border, which I I understand. I, don't get me wrong, I, I do understand it, but sometimes it's nice to just be able to sit down and say good day to someone again. And um, yeah, they just threw the arms open and you know come in, would you like a drink? We're doing meals, meals start at six and it was just fantastic just really be able to relax and it was just a ripper day. Yeah. Just proper small town country hospitality. <laughs> Isn't that nice? The, only, the other thing is that daylight saving starts um, won't bother you so much because you're down south but I pity the truckies that have got to keep crossing the New South Wales-Queensland border for instance and then You've got the uh, South Australian, Western Australian border, or both borders. I mean, you'd think they could can it for an, a year. We, we, haven't we got enough troubles without dealing with all these different time zones all the time? I mean, really. But anyway, is what it is. It, it, it can catch, yeah. Like, even even just crossing the SA, like if you're close to the border, you sort of do it, you grab your logbook, you put a line in it, and then you go, oh, hang on a minute. You look at your phone and you look at the clock in the truck and you go, oh, same time zone. You make a quick correction and put the proper time in. So um, I'd hate to be crossing one where you've got an hour difference all the time. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't, wouldn't be very fun at all. No, to, lo- to lose an hour in 10 minutes of driving would, would do my head in, I can assure you, with that. <laughs> good on you, Ryan. Good luck, mate. I'll bump you sometime. Keep, keep up the no good No worries, work. mate. Thank you very much. Take, keep doing a good show. Thanks, mate. Bye. Yeah, hi, Macker. It's Mark. G'day, Mark. What are you doing? What are you doing? Where are you? Just driving through the beautiful Huon Valley on the way to uh, Hobart to go paddling on the Derwent this morning. Wow, what's that like? You've obviously done that before. Oh, yeah. Every uh, weekend for the last few weeks, it's been pretty good. Very cold, though. Noting that Hobart had its uh, cold snap yesterday and snow down to 100 metres, so it's about minus one here at the moment. So paddling not on one of those stand-up boards in a kayak or a canoe or something, is it? Yeah, a, a surf ski, an ocean ski. There's a little uh, business down on the Derwent that's uh, uh, next-level kayaking that run a group, uh, several groups throughout the weekend on weekends um, for people who want to paddle out and around the waterways of southern Tasmania. Yeah, that, they're, really, they're really hard to keep up um, when you first start, aren't they? You keep falling out of them because they've got a sort of a round bottom. Yes, indeed. They can be quite tricky. 
uh, quite entertaining at the same time. Though. <laughs> I, I reckon falling out of um, on the Derwent, falling out of a, a surf ski on the Derwent would be pretty bracing, mate. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. What do you do, Mark, for a living? I actually work for the Australian Antarctic Division. Oh, oh you're, yes. so you've probably been to the Antarctic many times, have you? Uh, a couple of times, yeah. Very lucky to have had that chance. It's absolutely stunning environment there. So, uh, yeah, very privileged to be part of that program. Yeah, well, you'd be used to the cold. <laughs> So what's it, what's it like? Tell us, take us for a, a paddle on the on the Derwent at this time of morning. What's that like? Uh, well, I'll yet uh, to see, but quite often at this time of year, there's a bit of frost on the on the sand, which is interesting, especially wow. for our uh, northern Australian cousins that might be laughing at Tasmanians <laughs> using the beach when it's covered in frost. Uh, but uh, typically, uh, it can be a little bit windy this time of year. Although this morning it's predicted to be quite calm, so looking forward to getting out in the water and. Uh, Quite often at uh, Kingston, the main spot just about 10 minutes south of uh, Hobart, there's uh, some large sea cliffs, and so you often see the white-bellied sea eagles and, and oh. dolphins are quite common as well. So, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, and, and people like me gaze longingly uh, or think longingly of Tasmania and Queensland and Western Australia where things are different. What about, do you have to wear masks around the place in Tassie or what's going on there? No, we're, we're quite lucky. I think at uh, certain functions uh, you may be required to and obviously the, the main ports of entry, but otherwise we've been uh, very lucky not to have outbreaks, so we're largely free of masks. Oh, boy, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> dear, oh, dear. Isn't it funny? The great South Island, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I, I obey the rules, but, um, gee, that sound... Because we had those times, you know, just not long ago, we were all pottering around and just, you know, making our own arrangements, and now it's all all went pear-shaped after we dropped the bundle. But anyway, Mark, you have a lovely time yeah. on the on the Derwent. Um, yeah, I've, I've got a mate who started surf He's pretty good at it now, but I know that yeah, when you first start in, you get in and then over you go, and you <laughs> keep doing that until, <laughs> until you learn how to keep upright. Hopefully not today. No, hopefully not. And watch out for the sharks. Although the bloke I spoke to who was swimming across the mouth, he said, no, there's a big gate at the mouth of the Derwent and there's no sharks can get in. Oh, yes, <laughs> sure. Okay, yep. happy to go with that. <laughs> Good on you, Mark. Nice to talk to you, mate. Back up. See, All the best. See ya. Andy's uh, on the north shore of uh, Sydney. Is that right, Andy? That's right, Macca. Good morning, Macca. Doggo and I have got up early at five, and Dog wanted to go out, so we went and collected some hives that have got to sale today and moved them up towards Hornsby up here. And so they're about to get delivered to some customers. Um, Dog knows that when I put the bee suit on that he goes into the ute. <laughs> he's pretty good. Um, <laughs> Dogs are good yeah, like that, aren't they? It's been, oh, he's, he's a Kelpie from Blaney. Um, he's amazing. Yeah, fantastic dog. So Best company. Yeah, they are, and they're very intelligent. They know when you yeah when you put your shoes on or your boots on. Boom, at the car. Yeah, I'm getting the back. I'm right. Um, Andy, tell me this. Um, do you what deal in bees, or this is just a job you do, or what? Oh, I'm semi-retired. I raised three kids, and then um, yeah, they're all they're off doing other things now, and I've got into beekeeping a bit more. So, so these days I teach people beekeeping, and I help people beekeep. And I've got, I'm just under the commercial number at the moment because I continuously give bees away and so on. Um, but basically, I'll, this is what I'll do for the rest of my days. I love being able to share honey with people. And um, when in spring, when people want to start with bees, I um, help them start off and get them going. So that's what I'm doing this morning. And uh, it's a great thing to get people started with because it also helps them think about their gardens and the rest of the environment. Exactly. Um, Exactly, and I also remove them from houses and buildings and stuff as well. So, and then I put them into a hive. So, um, bees are the start of a bunch of things, and without them, we're not eating very much. So, exactly, it helps people understand that. Yeah, yeah, so it's been and wonderful. I, and I think people would be surprised about how many people have got beehives in in the big cities. Oh, let me explain to you that in this where I'm about to take this hive, there is five other beekeepers in that block. <laughs> wow! So, so this, that I know of. So this next week, I've got to 
put a thread through all that and pull them all together and go, can you guys walk up to the local cafe, stand away from each other, but go, hello? <laughs> so when one of you goes on holidays, the rest of you can look after the bees. So then I don't have to look after your swarm. <laughs> yeah, because they take, a, they take a, uh, another beekeeper rang me um, some weeks ago, said that there's going to be a lot of swarms this year for some reason. I don't know why he thought yeah, Well, it's basically and simply we had a drought year, then we had a little bit of last year, we had a bit of rain, and then the trees grew, but they didn't flower much but they threw roots down and they grew. So after the tree's grown, you know what it wants to do in the next year? It wants to flower. Mm. And it's flowering early and there's lots of it. So with all that protein, which is the pollen, the bees do real well and obviously nectar as well. But that protein is what keeps bees well fed and away they go. And so we're into a... I've caught eight swarms locally here already. So Wow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So it's been it's been amazing this season, and I've done a removal out of a house already this year, which was a massive hive. Um, I've got a friend who's a copper who's got a bit of PTSD, and I gave them some um, a whole lot of honeycomb to share with her cop friends, and they <laughs> love that. So um, you know, when that, they're out working really hard while COVID's on, I'll so, say, um, I'll yeah, say, so giving back a bit is an opportunity as a beekeeper because you can do fun things and sort of say, would you like some honey and would you like some comb. And I do sell it too, but um, it's a great thing to be able to share with people because very few people say no, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so, a pleasure. My greatest pleasure is to try and do something for somebody else, or give them something, or you know, just something simple or whatever. I think it's great. Yeah. And Ryan, I don't know if you heard Ryan earlier this morning. He's a truckie in Victor Harbour, yes. and the truckies are doing it tough. You know, he's got to have a thing up his nose every other day and all that sort yeah, of stuff. My but, wife, the same. Yeah, and my and, wife's in the hospital. All right. Yeah. And she works in a hospital, and so does my daughter. And every three days they're tested. Yeah, but every he, but he, days, but. Yeah, but and Ryan called. He said, you know, some of the truck stops where they, you know, it's nice out in the road, but some of them are closed, and some don't even welcome the truckies now because they they don't want the trouble that they may get from you know people travelling interstate. But he said he called in the Tintinara, and he said they were just lovely to him. They were really nice, made him a cup of tea, and all that. And those little things, just giving back, it just makes life bearable, especially in this time, Andy, and everybody should remember that. Yeah. Hey, um, a bloke you'll know real well, Kevin Bennett, I, I give him a bit of honey because he's been singing for over 30 years in my life and I can't give him back what he's given me. So I give him honey and it's one of those things where I go... Are you saying, he, goes, are you saying he sings better because of honey? <laughs> no, I reckon he's just one of the most amazing blokes. And how do you make a bloke like that? What do you give a bloke like that? <laughs> Give me so a jar of honey. honey. Yeah, yeah. And it's just been, he says, I want to pay you. And I went, go away. You've been given to me for years and years and years. And it's all I've got to give him, really. But um, he's such a wonderful fella. So. I'll, I'll play a song for you in a minute. Good on you, Andy. Good on you, mate. Thank you. See you. Nice to talk to you. Yeah. Bye. This is the All Over News. I suppose there are good things that come out of something like COVID. One, that we learn more about ourselves as individuals and as a society, both good and bad. We learn about our strengths and our weaknesses are displayed for all to see. And at times like these, many take inspiration from the natural world and value it like never before because it seems to provide reassurance that life goes on. Sun comes up, magpies sing. Oscar Wilde said, life imitates art much more than art imitates life. I'm not sure about that. The songs that have been written during this time certainly reflect life. How about We Buried Bob at Bunnings, written as a tongue-in-cheek jab at officialdom that restricted funeral numbers to ten but would allow heaps at the hardware. Then there was Pete Dennehy's Crackpot Jackpot, reflecting our continuing obsession with toilet paper. And this song by singer-songwriter Darren Hanlon, which effortlessly sums up the times without ever mentioning COVID, corona or lockdown. Darren Hanlon, good morning and welcome to the program. Yes, Macca. How are you going? I'm good, thanks. We all cope in different ways. How did that come about? Well, it's, it's, it is a long story, but I'll give you the short version. We, we escaped from America by the skin of our teeth, me and my partner, Shelley. And Shelley was with child and we were always planning to have it here in Australia, but we had to rush out of America quicker than we expected. And we actually landed in Sydney the day they let everyone off the Ruby Princess. We could see it in the harbour there. From there, we went to Melbourne. They just put us straight on a domestic flight. There was kind of no quarantining at that stage. 
it was all self-inflicted if you wanted to. So we just didn't want to, you know, go near any of our friends. So we put a little ad up on Facebook and asked if anyone had anywhere for us to stay. And someone came through with a, a, a cabin on the Murray River. So we were actually stuck there for a month. Stuck there? That sounds like a dream. It was beautiful. Well, at first it was just like a lot of bogans on jet skis. And then slow as the weeks went by, it was just us. It, it felt quite surreal just having the whole this whole park to ourselves so is that where you wrote the song yeah i wrote that song on an eight kilometer round trip walk to woolworths that first quarantine when i was foraging for more food we'd just run out of supplies and the whole song tumbled out fully formed really and a lot of those lines in it were from things around the cabin. You know, when we got there, we didn't have too much entertainment except for a bunch of old DVDs that were in a basket there, and they were just a lot of old Keanu Reeves films. We now watch the kind of films our former selves do not believe, old DVDs of Keanu Reeves, and we sneeze into our sleeves. That's what we do. We all do that now. They're great lines. It almost seemed to me like little lines you've written down over the you know months or whatever, and then all of a sudden you just put them all together. No, it was all, they all came from those few weeks. You know, it was quite a juxtaposition having Keanu Reeves on the TV at night and reading Jane Austen because that was the only book I could find. I got lost in Jane Austen, her posthumous work persuasion. She's the early 1800s poster girl for isolation. That's what we all are now, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Jane Austen would have thrived in these times. She just loved being alone and writing. I got really obsessed with her after reading Persuasion and I'd only read, I think, Sense and Sensibility before. But, you know, it's such a treat to be able to dive into that language and that time. I'm talking to Darren Hanlon and the song is called We All Cope in Different Ways. It's a song for all seasons, really, isn't it? even though it's particularly relevant to COVID times. Yeah, I wanted it to be a little bit more general. I didn't want to. I didn't want to say the word... COVID or pandemic or any of those kind of words that would date the song too much. When I played the song some months ago on the program, Normie Rowe rang me. Now he texted me and he said, one can hear a million songs until a beautifully crafted example strikes like lightning. We All Cope in Different Ways is a revelation, a song in the vein of any written by Don McLean, says Normie Rowe. And he's sung a lot of songs. Oh. How about that? That's such. That's so special. I didn't know that. That's beautiful. I suppose it's a combination, Darren, of little phrases and touches your heartstrings, I suppose, especially in this time, because we all feel a bit vulnerable. We all feel a bit touched, don't we? We do. We, it's, it's, it is a really hard time. And, you know, it, you know, it's affected all of us. The other amazing thing about it is that, you know, I just recorded it on my phone. So I didn't really have high hopes for it. I, I, it was just kind of like a note, really, that song. And then it just had a life of its own. And I think that's the nice part about it, that it's not overproduced or anything. That's what I love about it. But I'm a musician. I, I sort of like that, uh, that feel about it. That stripped back, yeah. So I'm just so glad that all these people have found it. And a lot of people have found it through your show. I've actually got a pen pal out of it. and She's in her 80s and she's a librarian and a Jane Austen fan. And she doesn't understand downloading, so she wanted a copy. So I burned her a CD and sent it. Now we're pen pals. You're living in Gympie, is that right? Yeah, so after the cabin on the Murray, we left our pet magpies and kookaburras behind and fled to my hometown. When it looked like things weren't going to open up for a long time, we just thought we needed to go somewhere where it's economically rational, i.e. no rent, and came home to the parents. Doing what millions of kids are doing. I think so. And, you know, and then Rocky, our son, was born in Gympie Hospital <clears throat> where I was and and my dad and mum and sister and various other family members were born. So it feels a little bit meant to be. So how do you spend your days in lockdown? Well, you're not actually in lockdown, are you? You're in Queensland, but in reality, you can't really work or go too many places, can you? No, sadly, the, the touring life is put on the shelf for a little while. Although I've been blessed with this small halls tour from the Woodford people that's coming up. I mean, that's 15 shows in the Queensland Outback, so it's going to be a real change considering the last couple of years have just been pushing a baby around the streets of Gympie. Do you talk to other friends and musicians and things, and how are they going? I do. We, we have a big friend network throughout all the states and cities, and we, we all try and support each other and counsel each other. And everyone, you know, everyone's taken it as it comes, and everyone's very understanding and just trying to do the right thing but yeah the mental health toll on people is is pretty considerable really i actually have a show in kinkin uh, which is kind of a warm-up show for the small halls and it's next saturday night the 2nd of october and when you when you play do you play on your own or do you have a band or what do you do it's mixed up usually 
I have a, a band, but they're all in Melbourne. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're just locked down. So. That's the story of Australia so, at the moment, isn't it? It is. So I'm self-inflicted solo artist. I mean, not it's a pandemic-inflicted solo artist. Darren, the title of your album is called Where Did You Come From? You said you were in America. What were you doing in America? Were you living there for a while? or? Yeah, well, my partner being American, I, I've spent the last few years back and forth. And that album, Where Did You Come From, was a result of lots of traveling through the south, the southern states, Mississippi and Alabama and places like that. And every song was in a, pretty much in a different city. The idea was I would just use whichever musician I would find by accident. People that I've met busking on the street, people who just happened to be living in the house I was staying in at the time. And one guy actually tried to break into my car when I was sitting in it and he ended up playing bass on a song. <laughs> Inspirational stuff, really, isn't it? I mean, it's the absolutely ordinary that inspires you in, in lots of ways, isn't it? It is. I just love that idea of just having an open mind and leaving everything up to fate and just heading off into the distance, you know, and seeing what you find. Darren Hannon, it's great to talk to you this morning. Uh, good luck with your touring. People will see you on the road, and I hope they see us all on the road sooner or later. But uh, good luck, and thanks very much for talking to us, Darren. No worries. A couple of... Uh, Texts. Hi, Macca. Long-time listener. Phone boxes. Grotty phone box at Mur- Murphy's Creek. That's what um, Lynn said. Uh, and good old days. 50 years ago, working in Newcastle, New South Wales, for the London Times newspaper's only Australian office, Australasian office, says uh, Cara. There were heaps of phone boxes. For years, Telstra employed a team of women to clean all the phone box dials and handpieces with disinfectant. Morning and afternoon, they did a great job. Cara at Marmong Point. Thank you, Cara. That's, yeah, the team of... Team. Days for the days. Exactly, Kel. Um, I was lovely listening to the show, says Joe, from the entrance. Always interesting and feel linked to people's stories. The printing press story, that was um, Jeannie and Kyneton. She brought a printing press. What did she call the printing press? She had a name for it. Bob or something or yeah, yeah. <coughs> Hugo or something she called it. Anyway, she brought it from around the world. It's been printing poetry. Always, she says, I just bought an old Adler typewriter to type letters again. <coughs> Frank Crook would love this story, Kel, or any anybody who's had to use a typewriter. To type letters again on me, old Adler. I hate computers. I have handwritten to a few friends in lockdown. The joy it brings to them to receive a letter, not a bill or advertising, is lovely. I thought it might be fun to typewrite some. Uh, one typeface only. One go at editing, unless I use whiteout. Love the bell at the end of the line. Love the return arm. Love the mechanical sound of the keys. Love the slower pace, as you cannot rush. Or else the arms get stuck. Joe, the <laughs> little... That's lovely stuff. We've got lovely listeners. It's beautiful. It's just a lot. Of, when you look back, I'll finish the program at 10 and I look back and it's just a whole thing of all sorts of stuff. Did I, did I tell you? It's a tapestry. That's right. It's a word I was looking for, Kel. Did you do advanced English at school, did you? Um, g'day, this is Maka. Hello, Maka. It's Beryl from Benalla. Beryl from Benalla, the alliterative Beryl. How are you, Beryl? I'm not too bad, thanks, Ian. That's all right. Uh, just a little note to um, a previous call of Ian. I think it was from Tootgarook down on the Mornington Peninsula. Yes. Uh, he, he was complaining he about all the pa- all, complaining about the packaging and stuff, and and there was yeah, no instructions and, la- and stuff. That's right. The lack of instructions. Perhaps if he had a look where it was made, it'd probably explain everything. <laughs> uh, Enough said. Yeah. Um, Enough said, and I won't say any more, but just tell him to um, put a pen to paper in an old exercise book. Just check on the back of that too where it was made. But um, You can still get Australian-made ones? Oh, you can, yeah. and I've just bought one too. Um, so it's just to write things down, and it's a better way of remembering things. And his memoirs, it's easy to change things when you're writing them down. challenging times that we live in and I think we've got plenty of time and it would be a much better idea than his newfangled idea that he wants to use yeah (laughs) how how does that sound that sounds good Beryl um you just made me think when you said we've got plenty of time and and we have I suppose see when this all first started and it was hitting the fan and we looked overseas to Italy and Spain and 
you know, 40,000, 50,000 mm. were dying and stuff. And then they said, well, this is going to be a chance to reset our whole way we do things. But when I look oh, around right. and see the unseemly haste we have to get out of to get out of lockdown and things like that, only because it's going to affect, there's going to be a lot of hospitalisation and, and I just worry about all of that. Um, but nobody seems to want to reset. The airline industry wants to get back to full bananas again. We had a chance to reset and maybe do things slightly differently to rejig our society so it just works a little better. But I don't think that's going to happen. We just want to get back. We want to bring hundreds of thousands, 300,000 migrants back to Australia as quick as we can. We want to, and that'll mean more high rise. So we don't want to rejig. Apparently, that was just a, a ruse. We we haven't rejigged at all, and and I don't not think, at all. I don't think mm. we will because money speaks louder than health. It seems to me. Well, we we all want to change things um, overnight. And it's not going to happen. And this is what people can't seem to adjust to. We've just got to slow down a little bit and think. But think about other people um, before we make all these wild changes that we want to do in five minutes. Yes. Beryl, little things mean a lot. Little act of kindness. Little things do mean a lot. Mm. So I hope Ian does write his memoirs because um, something that I'd like to do as well. This is, um, this so is... I think an old an old writing pad is another way because you can go back and read it so much easier. Exactly. I know it's old fashioned, but it's not a bad idea either. It's like using the the lady who just wrote about the typewriter. She wants to hear the exactly. She wants I to hear the, the same thing. <laughs> she wants to hear the bell at the end of the line, ding, and you. When we first started as journalists, we had a typing pool. So you'd scribble out in your thing and you hand out the typing pool and then you bang, 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 ding, and bang, the sound of ding. It was, yes, different times. I think I went for six months to a typing school in Melbourne. It was called um, Stotts Business College. Uh-huh. And uh, I thought I was going to be a typist. Well, after six months, I think I could still only do ASDF. Um, colon JK or something like that. <laughs> I never became a typist, but I did become a banker. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, Beryl. Thank you so much, Ian. Bye-bye now. Pleasure. Stay Bye. well. Bye. Uh, g'day, this is Macca. Oh, g'day, Macca. It's uh, Peter from Castle Cove. G'day, Pete. I uh, spoke to you about four years ago, actually, about the Jewish Anzacs, but uh, a couple of other Things. Have you ever paddled up uh, Middle Middle Harbour in a kayak? No, I don't. I don't believe I have, Pete. No. Oh, it's, it's magic if you go up past the Roseville Bridge, and um, uh, I go with my wife occasionally. Or, but lately, there's been too many people on the water paddling around. Really? <laughs> COVID. Oh yeah, but it's it's God's country. It's really the best part of the world. So one day you'll have to uh, come out and join me in the double. Well, I think, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. I think, um, see, I think paddling is a wonderful, I, I only dream about it. Every time I, I go up the highway to Brisbane or when I used to, yeah. or down to Melbourne and you cross over a river and I look up the river like the the Camden yeah. Haven and I look up there and I think, wouldn't that be nice to just go up there? And and it just seems, I've never done it, but I mean, I've rode yeah. a boat and stuff when I was a kid, but um, a very relaxing, you can go at your own pace. Yeah. You don't have to hurry. That's right. And well, the kayaks can take you all the way up to the very uh, headwaters where even the little power boats can't get. Yeah. But, but that's not why I rang. I, a couple of things. Yeah. Um, I wrote a, a longhand letter to my 12-and-a-half-year-old grandson who only lives less than uh, 10 kilometres away on the other uh, in, on the Balgala side of Sydney, on mm. the other side of Middle Harbour, but I can't get to see him. So I thought I'll, I'll write him a longhand letter and he can uh, hopefully reply to me. I couldn't stop. I wrote three three long pages and told him what I was doing when I was his age, looking up at the uh, all the rocket ships being launched in the 60s there. And he'll say to his mum and father, what's par on about? He's written me this three-and-a-half-page <laughs> letter. Uh, Pete, I don't want to damage your enthusiasm, but 12-year-olds, if it was me, I would... Uh, and then, then I'd be forced to write something to you by my parents, and, right. and I'd scribble yeah. something off quickly and get rid of it. Um, but yeah, he'll, 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 
He'll appreciate it when, he's, when he gets older, Pete. Yeah. And, and I think it's obviously been very therapeutic for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, in fact, I didn't tell him, but I, the other, harking back to my other uh, interest, we uh, started Operation Jacob to uh, fix the uh, incorrect headstones of, of servicemen, particularly Jewish servicemen. And we found that there was a, would you believe, 13-year-old boy ran away from home in Liverpool in 1940, jumped on a merchant ship, came to Melbourne, enlisted in the Australian Army, put his age up from 15 to, would you believe, 21. They believed him. God he's, help uh, me. In 1940? Tra- in 1941, he, he enlisted. Um, early 42, he's, he's riding his uh, motorbike through Melbourne as a, as a dispatch rider, hits a bus and he's killed. And he's 15 and a half. And second youngest Australian to die in the Australian Army, I believe. Unfortunately, he'd lied about his age, his name, and his religion. So he's buried in a Roman Catholic uh, cemetery in Melbourne. Uh-huh. And we've just been on to the Australian war graves and they've agreed to fix his grave up to recognise the fact that he was a, uh, his name was actually another chap, uh, Jacob Sorsky, hmm. hence the Operation Jacob. Hmm. He was only 15 and a half, not 21. And uh, he was Jewish, so uh, one of a, a bit of a win. And uh, I actually spoke to his brother in Liverpool uh, a week ago. He's still alive. Dear, oh dear. Isn't it? uh, Can you believe it? Yeah. uh, Look, I mean, I know a lot of 15. Was he 13 or 15? You said 15, wasn't he? Well, he he was 13 when he ran away on a merchant ship as a a galley boy, and he was 15 when he enlisted. Sounds like a kid is probably hard to handle. Um, (laughs) If you know what I mean, he's, you know, he had... Full of beans but, and off, but and I and yeah. I suppose some fifteen-year-olds can look maybe seventeen, yeah. but but yeah, not eighteen not or nine or not twenty. No. Yeah, you see his photo in his service record, and there's no way he's twenty-one. But oh, makes makes you cry. Yeah, unbelievable well, stories. Yes, yes, just war, unbelievable. That's a, a lovely story, Pete. Well, when I want to say a lovely story. It's nice that you've been able to correct that and um, yeah, yeah and. Uh, Jacob's Operation Jacob, eh? There you go. Yeah. Jason yeah. Sorsky. Jacob Sorsky. I'll send you the info if you wish. Yeah. And yeah. look, don't uh, don't hang around the and pester the the mailman, mate. Um, it <laughs> well, may my, it my, may never arrive. But my my son, who's my grandson's uh, stepfather, he's a postie. That's the irony. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, Pete. <laughs> Good on you, back. See you. Good to speak. Bye. Yeah, you, Bye. You too. Bye. Hey, this is Carol from the inner west of Sydney. Hi, Carol. Um, you might know me as Carol. You might know me as Carolyn. You might know me as Casbo. I'm the person who played the tuba on Glenn the Wombat Flash. Oh, Carolyn Johns. Yes, correct. Yay. Yay. We just... I got reports from around the country, mostly Victoria, actually. Oh, really? After you spun that poem in on the 15th of August. Yeah. And um, been meaning to get in touch ever since then. Oh, uh, well, I thought about, you know, I've always thought about you. Uh, uh, brass players, um, Carol, are dear to my heart. Um, are you still playing and stuff like that? Is there work for tuba players? Um, well, COVID's kind of really nuked it, but that doesn't bother me too deeply. I've only done one gig on the tuba in the entire pandemic, and that was on August the 28th. No, not August, um, March the 28th this year. And it was a time before Delta and when things were sort of in abatement, and it was a gig that I felt was sort of a bit unusual. Otherwise, I wouldn't have said yes. Uh So zero, like... One job of that type in about 18 months, good thing it's not the only thing I do. Yes, exactly. Because what I mainly do is tune pianos. Oh, you're a little champion. I've got a piano that yeah. needs tune. How about that? <laughs> so really, there's been a hell of a lot of um, downtime not tuning pianos as well with the pandemic, but I just kind of, I really just garden in my yard every day. And it's just a city block that's sort of actually covered with concrete, but that keeps me fairly happy for the moment. Isn't that but lovely? yeah, I can do the odd piano tuning depending on, depending on the situation, depending on how safe it can make and how I can make it and how, how urgent it is. You know what I mean? That's yeah. the view I'm taking because we are in lockdown and, and um, you can't just be running all over the place like nothing's happening. No, uh, it's, Carol, I, I think about you all the time because I remember that time 
very fondly doing that. Uh, and we got Me you in. Me too. Well, the, yeah. the funny thing is yeah. that people, you know, people, um, I thought this was recorded so long ago. They're, they're expecting me to either have a recording of it to give them or, or that I did it last week. And, and I'm saying, no, that was done. Really, I feel like it was right back probably when Olympic, the, the bid was put in for Olympics. About 96. Oh, well, yeah, it was so be- between 96 and 2000. Like I think it was between 96 and 2000, I think it was done. Yeah, so we've narrowed it down a bit. And yeah. I thought, well, that's seriously decades ago, which is, with, which is pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah, and I remember when we recorded it, we had the lines of the poem and we had this line and you said, I'll play this this line, this little line for that part of the poem. We just, and it took a while to do, but it was great, great pleasure. And it's great. It was fun because... When when you yeah, when was, you can, when we can do it again, you come in and play your tuba, and, and when I do a gig, if you want to come along and play, we'd love to do it. We'd love to do it, Carol. Well, I I yeah, feels like an improbable world, a thousand worlds away. I kind of think I might have hung it up on the hook for good, but I don't know. But um, well, I'd start practicing yeah. if I were you. <laughs> I tell you what, my father must have leapt out of his chair or bed, whichever. Uh, he was very, very excited to report because what he does, we got he to... listens to you every Sunday. Right. And when, when he can't hear you, he just plays a CD. Carol, you keep in of touch you. and you come to, come to Tamworth. Come to Richmond. I've got to fly, but nice to talk to you. Sure. See, see no ya. worries. Bye. Oh, hi, Mac. This is Kylie. Ka- Kylie, is it? Yes. You'll have, have you got the radio on? Has someone got the radio on? Yes. Yeah, we'll have to turn it down. What are you doing, uh, Kylie? Where are you? Um, we're currently in Longreach. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, we just came from Winton. And where are you? Where were you? Where are you from originally? Like, where? Where did you travel? Uh, Br- Brisbane. Oh, from Brisbane. And how old are you, Kylie? I'm thirteen. There you go. Having a good time. Yes. Oh, I bet you. I wish I was in. Longreach, you said. I wish I was in Longreach. I love Longreach. Yeah, yeah. We're we're travelling with my auntie, my uncle, my nan and pop, and my mum and sister. Well, that sounds like a good co- combination. Um, plenty yeah. of people, plenty of people to talk to when you get sick of somebody else. You can go and talk to aunties and uncles, and yeah, and your sister. It sounds <laughs> like a perfect combination, Kylie. Yeah. We love the outback so much. Like we love um, traveling and all that, and it's really fun. But it's so hot. Is it really? What? Yeah, gee, I've heard that it's been hot and pretty dry too. Yeah. I reckon. Yes, very dry. Oh well, maybe we'll get some rain soon, Kylie. You keep in touch. How long are you on holidays for? Um, another week. Another week. Oh, half your luck. Half your luck. You'll have lots of stories when you go back to school. You're at school because you're in. Queensland, you you can go back to school, can't you? Yeah. No, we're it. currently going to... Oh, sorry. Go on, you're right. Oh, um, we're currently going to the Hall of Fame today in oh. Longreach, so... Oh, there's so, yeah. many, so many things to see and do in the outback and uh, Longreach. Good on you, Kylie. Yeah. Great to talk to you. You keep in touch, okay? All right. Have a good day. Nice to talk to you. Bye. You too. Bye. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.